Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Walt, and I am one of the elders here at Life Journey Church. Before we jump into today's podcast, which happens to be the final podcast of 2016, I have a quick request of you. If the Lord is laying upon your heart a desire to support the podcast ministry, to support the proclamation of the finished work of Christ through Life Journey Church, I would encourage you to take a minute, go to our website, lifejourneyva.com slash giving, and consider making a contribution before the year ends. We have overhead like any other ministry, and we have obligations that we have to meet on a regular basis. And this is a great opportunity as we close out the year for us to get on the right side of the books so that 2017 we can be ready to continue proclaiming the good news of what Jesus has done. And if that's something that you would like to do, we encourage you to participate with us in getting this message out further and greater and farther than ever before. Again, thank you for being a listener. We really are encouraged by your notes and your encouragement. Let us know who you are, where you're listening from. Send me an email, walt at lifejourneyva.com. I'd love to hear from you, any prayer requests you may have. But if you'd like to contribute, please do so before the end of the year. lifejourneyva.com slash giving. Have a great day, and now we'll listen to our final podcast of 2016. been doing a series um, on Christmas, but definitely different than anything we've done before. Definitely different than anything we've done before. And we're going to start today a little bit differently. I'm going to ask, this might be weird, I know we've got kids with us, but I'm going to ask for all of us to close our eyes for a minute. And I know that might not be possible, the kid's going to be running around while we got our eyes closed, you know, wake, open up our eyes in a minute, the kids are going to be up here on the guitars and stuff, but somebody keep an eye out for the expensive stuff. But let's close our eyes for a minute. And I want us to picture, with our eyes closed, I want us to picture absolute, complete, total darkness. Where no matter how hard your eyes strain, you cannot see anything. Nothing but darkness upon darkness. For years, millennia, eternity, darkness. And then one day, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you hear a voice that breaks the silence of eternity past. And this voice says, let there be light. And suddenly you see something now that you've never seen before. You now see radiance. You now see a brightness almost too bright for your eyes to even handle. You've gone from squinting your eyes to try to see anything in the darkness to now shading your eyes to... Because it's just so bright, something that you've never seen. Behold, light shone into the darkness. 
And there was light and there was darkness. Day one of creation. Can you see that? Can you imagine just how radical light for the first time ever bursting into utter blackness of dark? I want you to fast forward throughout several thousand years of human history where sin has resulted in this world being called the kingdom of darkness. Because of sin entering into this world through Adam and Eve, death entered. And no man had any light in him. Spiritually, a darkness in this world that no matter how much you or anyone wanted to generate light, there was no light. As hard as you looked, it was utter spiritual darkness. No matter how hard you tried, darkness. But then one day, as the Scripture says, when the time was fulfilled, light Himself was born into this world of darkness. And the light of God now shone into the darkness of the human world. As the Apostle John says, light, capital L, talking about Jesus, shone into the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Can you see it? Can you see a spiritual darkness and now because of God's choosing, God's grace, He clothed Himself in flesh and He entered into this world through the womb of a virgin so that light itself would now burst forth into this world. Behold, the incarnation, God Himself, now with us. Emmanuel. Father, we just pause in this moment and we just reflect on something so amazing, so radical. In a world that had rejected You from the garden, and darkness covered this place spiritually, you chose to burst forth light, your own Son, into this world. And you had a plan. You had a purpose. You even created this world in six days to show us this great plan. As light, lowercase l, burst forth into the darkness on day one, some 2,000 years ago, light, capital L, Jesus Christ Himself, burst forth into darkness. And now we can see. By grace, through faith, we can now see. We were blind, but now we see. And that we celebrate today. We celebrate salvation Himself coming 
into this world to bring the light of God Himself into a darkness that could not see apart from Him. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 as we've done the last couple of weeks. Where the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, don't divorce her. Don't get rid of Mary. I've got a plan. There's a plan. And the angel, it's up on the screen. It says, you shall call his name Jesus. And there's a reason why you're going to call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, we've said this two weeks now. If you've missed, missed any, some of this, I encourage you to go check out the podcast. But Jesus, the name Jesus, is actually the same word, the same name of the Old Testament guy named what? Joshua. We've said this a couple of weeks now. Joshua. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In Greek, it's Jesus. But it's the same name. Kind of like Richard and Ricardo. Same name, but just two different what? Languages. So Jesus, Joshua, same name, two different languages. And so he says, you will name him Yeshua. You will name him Joshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Joshua means salvation. It means deliverer. It means rescuer. It means savior. If you think about back with Moses and Joshua, Moses was given the law by God, and for 40 years they kept breaking that law, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 some years. And then Moses the receiver of the law, the one who presented the law to the people. He died, and we saw last week, Jessica actually looked it up. Three days later, three days later, after Moses died, Joshua brought Israel into the promised land. You see, Moses, the receiver of the law, could not deliver. He couldn't bring them into the promised land. But Joshua, the successor of Moses, the one whose name means salvation, actually saved them, brought them into, led them into the promised land. I think that's so cool. Now, where did they first, where was the very, very first battle, the very first place that Joshua and the Israelites encountered when they walked across the Jordan River? What was waiting for them? Starts with a J and ends with an Erico. Jericho. Remember the old song? Joshua for the battle of Jericho, right? And the walls came down. I love it. How much effort did Joshua and the Israelites put into that battle? They were walking. They walked around, remember, one time a day, and then seven times on the seventh day, and they blew some trumpets. They went for a stroll, and they played some music. And the walls came tumbling down. Remember this? This isn't just a children's Bible story. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 5? If you believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. So Joshua, Yeshua, walking around with the children of Israel around these walls so thick that no army could, for, could fight against it is a picture of someone so much bigger, another Yeshua, that we call what? Jesus. As the first Joshua walked around those walls that came tumbling down, 
with no effort of the army. There's been another Joshua that's gone to battle for us. We call him Jesus. And by his victory, we now have what? Victory. Could you imagine being that in, in that Israeli army? And you're like, really? We're just going to walk around this place? Like, we don't, need to, we, don't, we don't even need to, like, make some, like, arrows? Or we've got some, some trumpets and some, you know, sandals, and that's it? And God says, yeah. With man, it's impossible. But with me, all things are possible. Well, we're going to find Jesus walking on his way to Jerusalem today in Luke chapter 19. And on his way to Jerusalem, he is actually on his way to the triumphal entry, we're familiar, where he then has his last supper with his disciples. He gets arrested in the garden, and then he's crucified. So we're, we're walking towards Jerusalem in the last several days of Jesus' life for Jesus. You'll call him Jesus, and he'll save his people from their sins. I mean, we're about to see this happen, and Jesus is walking from Gal- Galilee down, and he walks through Guess what? Jericho. The same place where thousands of years earlier another Joshua walked through. And we're going to see something today happen that is, I think, the fulfillment. It is Joshua and the Israelites' army walking around the walls tumbling down. That was a picture. That was done so that God could show something so much bigger that would actually happen with the last Joshua, another Joshua, the one we call Jesus. So let's pick up in verse 1 and see what's going on here. He entered Jericho, he being Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, the one who will save his people from their sins. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. He was passing through. He didn't have any intention to remain in Jericho because he's, he's passing through on his way to, I just said, anybody remember? On his way to Jerusalem. He's on the way to the cross. He's going to actually stop through Bethany, if you remember, and he's going to have his feet anointed. He's actually, this is right before um, he raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, this is right before his own death. So he's passing through Jericho. He doesn't have intention to stick around Jericho. He's passing through Jericho. And there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, his name actually is Hebrew, and it means pure. Uh, purity. Kind of funny because he's what? A tax collector that everybody calls a sinner. <laughs> but his name in Hebrew means pure. He was a chief tax collector and he was very rich. Now, real quickly, we don't have a whole lot of time, but we've got to understand, we've got to put ourselves into the scene a little bit. Tax collectors. This guy is named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is Jewish. So, Zacchaeus is not a Roman citizen. He is a Jewish citizen. He is a, he is a son of Abraham. And he has been employed by the Romans. Now remember, the Romans were a conquering foreign army in Jerusalem, in, in Israel. Rome was a huge thorn in the side of the Jews because they had to get all their permission to basically do anything they could, wanted to do through Rome. So Pilate and Herod, those were all Roman, uh, non-Jewish rulers over Israel. And so Zacchaeus, imagine this, a Jew 
the Jews hate Rome. And Rome has, let's, let's use Hart as an example. Rome has employed Hart to turn his chair around and levy Roman taxes on all of you Jews. How popular do you think Hart is in this group? Yeah, that's right. You see that? That's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, not just a wee little man, Zacchaeus was a very much hated man because of what he was doing. And it says he became very rich. Well, how does a tax collector get rich? Either he's ripping off Rome, which I don't think that's what's happening, or he's ripping off the people. So if the taxes is, you know, 50 cents on every dollar, then he's probably charging 60 cents on every dollar. They don't know the difference. They probably can't even read. And so he's charging 60 cents, giving Rome 50, and he's keeping 10 to himself. And so he's becoming wealthy off of the deception, the, 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 the stealing from his own kinsmen. So Zacchaeus and other tax collectors are not well-liked people for obvious reasons. Can you imagine a foreign government coming into here, setting up Americans as tax collectors to, to Americans? I mean, we would not like that. And that's what's going on here. So he's become rich off of the people. There was not much separation in um, uh, affections amongst the religious crowd, especially between a prostitute and a tax collector. They were kind of all in that same boat um, using some uh, previously used political terms of baskets of deplorables. They were absolutely the low lives of society. Okay, we see this? Tax collectors. No one wanted them. No one wanted to be around them. No one was their friend. They were deplorables. Now, let's go back to Joshua in the battle of Jericho. Does anybody happen to remember who it was that allowed spies entrance into Jericho through the walls? Anybody remember? Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. She received favor and mercy for allowing the spies to come through her her uh her entrance into the into the town thousands of years later someone in the same deplorable condition a tax collector is going to meet another joshua jesus let's see what happens to this guy verse three zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. And he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he's a little guy. As we sang, sang as kids, he's a wee little man. So he's trying to see Jesus. This word trying, it has this idea of he's, he's, he's longing, he's doing everything that he possibly can. It is great, his greatest desire is to just see Jesus. He's obviously heard about Jesus. He's heard about what Jesus has, has done over the last three years. And now Jesus, who is Yeshua, salvation, Savior, is actually walking through his town. And he, the tax collector, the one who everybody hates, he just wants to see 
this Jesus. And so, verse 4, he runs ahead and he climbs up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. For he, Jesus, was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. So this is Jesus looking up. And he says to Zacchaeus, now before we see what he says to Zacchaeus, how many people do you think have gone out of their way to strike up a conversation with old tax collector Zacchaeus? You know what I mean? I mean, how many say, hey, tax collector Zacchaeus, we're going to be watching, you know, the skins this afternoon. You want to come over? He's an outcast. Nobody likes him. And now all of a sudden, this guy who is this miracle worker, he's this guy who gives sight to the blind. He's this guy who raises the dead. He's this guy who all the prophets seem to have been talking about, the Messiah. He all of a sudden, Zacchaeus just wants to get a glimpse of him. But now, Jesus is speaking to, he's calling out to Zacchaeus. He's, he's acknowledging Zacchaeus in the public crowd. When was the last time you think Zacchaeus was acknowledged favorably in a public crowd? Do you see that? We've got to see this. Because it reveals to us the heart of the Father. Because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So while the rest of the society was rejecting this guy because of his alignment with Rome, which wasn't good, Jesus is the one who is seeking him out. Jesus is being sought by Zacchaeus, but actually Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus. He looks and he says to Zacchaeus, he says, hurry and come down, for today I must come to your house. Love that. I, salvation, Yeshua, deliverer, must come into your world. I must come to you. And that's so awesome. I mean, is that not Christmas? Jesus, the Son of God, becoming a man and coming into this world, coming into our house, into our life. So Jesus says, hey, look, Zacchaeus, you're not just going to catch a glimpse of me from up in that tree. That's a picture, really, of the old covenant, isn't it? The distance between God and man. The picture of Zacchaeus up on this tree, and he just wants to kind of see God, like Moses wanted to just see God. Uh, 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 Elijah just wanted to see God. He, he just wants, I just want to see this Jesus. But now, just moments literally from his own death and the inauguration of this new covenant, Jesus says, hey, buddy, you who've been rejected by this world, you who probably doesn't have two friends unless you purchase them with some of that, you know, uh, money that you've stolen, I'm coming to you. This is huge. I must stay at your house. The heart of Jesus Anybody remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. Do we see that here? I, God, Jesus, want to be with you. I don't want to just pass you by, buddy. I want to be with you. Well, what's Zacchaeus, his response? Uh, well, you know what it is because, you know, we've all been in Sunday school, I'm sure, at one point in our lives changes Zacchaeus world it changes his life he hurries down from the tree and he received him 
gladly. Zacchaeus received Jesus gladly. Uh, This is very scandalous. Imagine being the religious crowd. The religious crowd. Last week we talked about Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. This week we're talking about basically the same thing. Jesus and this tax collector. And all of a sudden, the same Jesus who's been befriending uh, prostitutes, he's now befriending a tax collector? So Zacchaeus was excited. With great gladness, he received him. What has been the scribes and the Pharisees' reception of Jesus over these last several years? Negative? Rejection, really. I mean, how many times do you read through the Gospels and they, you read these crazy little passages that they, they sought to pick up stones and throw them at Jesus, but Jesus slipped through their midst? Because his time had not yet come. I mean, he was not, you know, um, Mr. Popular with the religious crowd. And this sort of stuff, being merciful and kind and compassionate to a sinner, only pours fuel on that fire that Jesus has with the religious crowd. So the religious seek to reject Jesus, but sinners, Zacchaeus, he seeks to receive Jesus. He wants what the religious have rejected. And we see this in verse 7. It says, when they saw it. Now, we don't know in context exactly who they is, who they are, who this group of they happen to be. But they, whoever they is, and I'm assuming they is the uh, religious leaders, the scribes, Pharisees, etc. But they all began to grumble. Did you see that? Let's be honest. Who who knows a grumbler? And you just it just is it's just, you know a grumbler. There's a grumbler in your life. It's no fun, is it? I mean, it's really no fun. In college we had in our work in our weight room this sign that said make people smile when they see you walking towards them, not when they see you walking away from them. I love it. I love it. But we all have grumblers in our life, people who just are never happy, never satisfied. There's always something. And that's really what religion will do to you, by the way. You're never happy. You're never content because you're the sin police, the judgment police, you know, whatever. And it's your, it, it, God has placed you on this earth in order to make sure everybody conforms to what you think a good Christian ought to be. There's no life in that. There's no fun in that. And so they are grumbling because Jesus, this guy who claims to be the Son of God, is actually talking to a sinner. How many times do these scribes and Pharisees say, does he not know who he's talking to? And I submit to you, oh yeah, he knew. He knew exactly who he was talking to. And we'll see that here in a second. But you see the difference between what Zacchaeus sees and what the religious crowd sees. Zacchaeus sees... uh, salvation coming towards his house he sees hope he sees acceptance for the first time probably in a long time but the religious crowd sees the scandal of this thing we call grace Zacchaeus doesn't deserve salvation Yahshua walking into his house and so they're grumbling he has gone look at this it's just dripping with just 
anger. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Man. You know, I don't know. I don't know why those Pharisees were so blinded, but they didn't see the same Jesus that Zacchaeus saw, did they? Zacchaeus saw true love. Zacchaeus saw true compassion. Zacchaeus saw a man who came to him when everybody else was rejecting him because of his profession and said, Zacchaeus, I want to be with you. The religious crowd saw someone who was wasting his time with a sinner, was dirtying his own reputation in order to be with a tax collector. Zacchaeus was looking at the Savior of the world. The religious were looking at this scandal that we call grace. And they could not stomach it. Now this next part, this is the whole reason why I wanted to look at this passage today on Christmas uh, Sunday. This next passage. If we miss these next two verses, three verses, then we'll miss everything we came here for this morning. So please look at this. Zacchaeus has been loved. He's been sought out. Remember, Jesus says, hey, I'm coming to your place. Zacchaeus has received Jesus gladly. Salvation himself, Yahshua, has entered into Zacchaeus' world. Now look at what happens to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stopped. Now, it doesn't say what he stopped. But I'm, and what we're about to read in a second, he clearly stopped the stuff he was doing. Look at this. He stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, which means Master, half of my possession I will give to the poor. And if, (laughs) I love that, If I've defrauded anybody, and I have, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now let's think about this response. Jesus comes into his world. Light, capital L, shines into the darkness of Zacchaeus' soul. And Zacchaeus is changed. His affections have changed. His desires have changed. His life is changing. How long had Zacchaeus been a Jew? All his life. How long had Zacchaeus had law? All his life. How many times has Zacchaeus read the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not steal? All his life. But it wasn't until salvation himself entered into Zacchaeus that the stealer became the giver. You see that? The law 
is outside-in attempts to try to manage sin and modify behavior. Living by that does not work. Take Zacchaeus' testimony. He has been hearing his whole life, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But it wasn't until a person, the light of the world, shone into his darkness, and he got to see what true selfish, selflessness is. He got to see what true compassion was. He got to see what true love really is, what it looks like, smells like, and feels like when Jesus Christ himself came into his house. And that changed Zacchaeus' world. So, at what point so far have we heard the Lord say to Zacchaeus, okay, Zacchaeus, now that salvation has come to your house, now here's the 17 steps, the 17 things, the 17 rules that you now need to live by in order to stop doing what you were doing and start doing what you need to do. He didn't do it. Big old zero. I see it, Leela. Because Jesus knows better. Jesus knows that it's the, the law is the actual power of sin. And so what Jesus came to do is something so much better. You see, Moses, the law, they could bring awareness of sin, but it was Joshua who actually led the people into the promised land. Moses couldn't deliver. Now, the entire old covenant of law has come to an end. And Jesus Christ himself is now entering into the house of a sinner and is changing him from the inside out. You've got to see that. The actions of this man Zacchaeus change not because of conforming to external stimuli, the actions of this man were changed because salvation himself, Jesus the Christ, came into his world. Jesus showed him grace. Jesus showed him love. Jesus showed him humility. Jesus showed him compassion. Jesus showed Zacchaeus what true love really looks like. And Zacchaeus, please hear this, Zacchaeus could not look at true love and receive true love gladly and not be changed by it. You see that? That's why when you drive out of here this morning, there's a sign that says, get to know who Jesus is. Because if you get to know who He is and you get to see who He is, you get to know Him. I mean, that was the teaching of the apostles, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. As we get to know Him, guess what? We can't help but be like Him. Because we are in this world as He is. We just don't know it. We just don't live like it because we don't know what we truly are. Now, I want to compare Zacchaeus real quickly to another rich guy. The rich young what? Ruler. Remember this guy? We don't have time to turn there. But there was this rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want this thing of eternal life. And Jesus says to him, okay, do all the law. Now, is Jesus saying, you do, the law per you do the law and you're in? Well, if you did the law perfectly, yeah, you are in. But what's the problem? <laughs> Nobody does the law perfectly, a.k.a. that's why Jesus is here. Anyways, 
So he says, do it perfectly. And the guy says, you know what? I've done it all perfectly. I've done all the law. I've kept them all. Well, that, that breaks one right there, right? Thou shalt not lie. Um, but he says, I've done them all perfectly. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack, rich young ruler, go and sell all of your possessions, law, outside in. Go and sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler went away sad because he was of great wealth. Two rich men, one seeking to justify himself by his actions external, the other receiving gladly this man called Yeshua salvation. Which, which of those two worlds were totally transformed? You see that? It's awesome. It's awesome. So Jesus says to him, verse 9, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. This is a play on words. Salvation, Yahshua, has come into this house. This man has changed because Jesus has entered into him. Jesus, the reality of Jesus is now his reality. And it's totally transformed him. Something the law could not ever do. Here's a great statement if you want to write it down. just came to my head. Um, we've said it before. The law cannot transfer us the law cannot transfer us the law cannot take us dead in our sins and make us alive in christ it cannot transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son the law cannot transfer us and also the law cannot transform us the law cannot transform us the law cannot bring us outwardly into the conformity of the son the law cannot transfer us and it cannot transform us. Only a growing reality of the fullness of Christ in us, salvation Himself, is what changes us. Look at verse 10, our last verse in Luke. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And Zacchaeus, unlike the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus realized his condition. He realized that he had all the money in the world, but he didn't have real happiness. He had all the stuff money could afford in that first century, but he didn't have peace. Jesus, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus with Zacchaeus, a testimony to us that, yeah, it is Jesus plus nothing that not only transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved hope, beloved son, but it's actually Jesus plus nothing that actually transforms us from the inside out. This man who was a stealer is now sharing. This man who was greedy is now giving. And it wasn't because of rule-based religion. It was because of a person named Jesus, who came into his world and showed him what love truly is. So here's our journey marker this morning. It's based off of that verse in, Romans, uh, in, in Matthew 1 that we've been seeing. You'll name him Jesus. Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus for he'll save his people from their sins. Our journey marker this morning. When Jesus saves us from our sins, Look at this. He shows us how 
to live. You say, what do I need to do in this particular scenario? How do I need to live? What should my response be? What should my behavior be? All I'm saying is be like Zacchaeus who says, you know what? I'm going to look at this guy who has, ex- who has dumped out, poured out compassion and true love on the most vile of sinners in that society. And Zacchaeus couldn't help but be changed. You've got a scenario in your life where you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to respond. You don't know how to behave. Don't run to stone tablets. Because remember, three days after Jesus died, something was rolled away. What was it? Stone was rolled away to reveal life. You, you need direction in life. You need to know what to do, how to do, how to relate to a, a spouse, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. You, you need answers. Don't go to the law. Oh, I need to be, I need to be, I need to be, I need to be. Behold Jesus, the one who stepped out of heaven and entered like light bursting into darkness who at some point in your life, maybe you were five, maybe you were 50, you said, I need you. And his light in that moment burst forth into your darkness. Remember the day of your salvation. Remember the grace and the mercy that was showered upon you. And now we live in response to that. When he saves us, how he saves us actually shows us how to live. A quick verse that I want to, I don't think I need to prove that to you, but I love when the scriptures talk about this. In Titus chapter 2, we've seen this before. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl has the ability to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. And every single Christian would say, Of course, it's the grace of God that brings salvation. But read on, readers. Verse 12. The grace of God has appeared instructing us. What is it that instructs us? It's His grace that instructs us. It's this free act of mercy and kindness and compassion that actually instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It's not a bait and switch. You don't come to Christ by a free gift of grace and and you come in like Zacchaeus, oh, I receive you gladly. And then Jesus dumps these stone tablets into your lap and says, "Now, now do your best to live up to it. It's not a bait and switch. Jesus plus nothing gets the salvation and Jesus plus nothing actually transforms our life from the inside out. It's the grace of God that instructs us to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And here's the last verse that I want to put up this morning. It's Romans chapter 2. This is powerful. Romans 2, verse 4. Paul is kind of, I don't know if he's chiding the Romans or if he's just passionate about this. I'm not really sure, but he says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? Don't you think the scribes and the Pharisees were thinking lightly of the riches of the kindness of the Lord? Don't you think that the riches of the kindness of Jesus was seen as a liability to the scribes and the Pharisees? You better believe it. He says, 
Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience? Do you think lightly, not realizing, not knowing, look at this, that the kindness of God, the tolerance, the patience, the kindness of God is what leads you to repentance. You see, I grew up in a system. We're about to have church up in here where I thought it was the anger of the Lord that caused us to repent. Meaning, hey, if you don't straighten up, fly straight, fly right, God's gonna, so you better. Right? Anybody else? Just me? Anybody else? Okay, we got some? All right, I see that hand. I see that hand. So if you don't, then He's gonna. So it was the hard, strong arm of the Lord, the retaliation, the, um, the anger, the judgment, the condemnation of the Lord that brought about repentance. That was my understanding. But Paul is saying, do you not realize how this really works? It is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Repentance meaning changing our mind about this whole thing. It is seeing the beholding the God of the universe in the person of Jesus Christ, seeing this great compassion and this mercy and this true love like Zacchaeus did that actually leads us to change our mind about behaviors, about actions, about who we are, etc. I mean, how long, like I've already asked this, did Zacchaeus stare at the Ten Commandments his whole life? But that didn't lead him to repentance. Don't you think, don't you think that Zacchaeus heard a message or two in his life about if you do this, then God's going to do that. That didn't change him because it's not the anger of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And here you have Jesus showing up, salvation, light, bursting forth into Zacchaeus' dark world, and compassion is on the scene, kindness is on the scene, forgiveness, receiving you know, Zacchaeus makes a big deal about receiving Jesus gladly, but check this out. Jesus has already received Zacchaeus gladly we receive him because he receives us we love him because he loves us so i'm just saying if we want our lives to be changed by the power of this thing of the gospel then we've got to understand what the gospel really is to begin with it's the kindness of god that leads us to change our mind about behaviors of sin and if we see god as this cosmic, never able to impress bully that is holding our sins against us in any sort of way, not only is that not going to lead us to change our mind about things, but we're not seeing the God of the universe for who He really is. So who are you going to see Jesus as? The scribes and the Pharisees? Who? How could He? How could He wallow in that pig slop of Zacchaeus. Are you going to see Jesus like Zacchaeus saw him? This man full of compassion who I just wanted a glimpse of, but he invited me into his world. We're going to close a little differently this morning. Um, I'm going to ask Craig and April if they would come. They're going to actually sing a, a, a song uh, that Craig introduced me to recently. And as they sing, 
um, I just want to encourage you to, the, the words will be on the screen, I think. Uh, the, are they on the, yeah, the words will be on the screen. It's a new song. I, I never heard the song before. You, you might have, not either. But I want you to consider the kindness of the Lord. I want you to consider this Jesus who came into the world, his own words, we've seen this in John 3, not to condemn the world, not to judge the world, because the world's already condemned and judged because of Adam. But I want you to see this Jesus who came into the world to save us from our sins. I want you to see a Jesus who has literally taken every single one of your sin and has taken it off of your account. The sin of the world done away with. Not just Adam's sin on your behalf, but last week when we saw the, the, the woman caught in adultery, you know, her own sins. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. But what we see today is his salvation isn't just a stamp of, okay, you're forgiven. His salvation is actually teaching us, instructing us, showing us how to live in this broken world. That's what I need. I don't need to follow things that only excites sin within me, a.k.a. the law. I need the giver of life revealing himself to me so that I now live in this world as I already am, joined, united to him. So I just want us calmly to just consider what do you see when you see Jesus? Do you see like the Pharisees and the scribes Someone whose compassion is a liability. Or do you see like Zacchaeus whose compassion is absolutely wrecking you in a good way <laughs> from the inside out?
Such a pretty, beautiful song. As we see him, then comes peace, then comes changing as we behold him. Well, we have about 10, 15 minutes left, and I just wanted to see if, as standard with our Sunday mornings, if there's anybody who would have a word of encouragement, a word of question, a word of thought, a word of anything um, pertaining to Zacchaeus, pertaining to the grace of God, pertaining to being transformed um, in this world, not by law, but actually by the life of Christ within them. Maybe there's not, but if there's anybody, but if there's anybody who has a, a word for us as a body, I'd love for you to share if you would like to. Yeah, Dwight. Well, I'd just like to give thanks to the Lord for a safe trip. We uh, traveled a lot of miles on the highways and Saw a lot of accidents, but we're never part of one, we're thankful to say, and, and just really am grateful to the Lord for his mercies in traveling and uh, seeing us through all the way up to British Columbia, Canada, and back down to Florida, and then back to Virginia. 24 states, I think it was 8,370 miles, uh, so a lot of miles behind the windshield, but really grateful. And, you know, it's interesting, um, many of you don't know, but we come from a background that's quite different than many Christians that uh, you might have met. We never celebrated Christmas before. And in our whole lives, and and it's been quite an experience. We're uh, we're going through a, a gymnastical roller coaster ride, if you will, in our hearts and minds. But really thrilled to getting to know the Jesus of love, peace, joy, contentment, and grace. And uh, I just thank the Lord for your message this morning. Spoke to my heart, and um, pray for us because it's 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 a unique journey we've been on you know the last five years of our life church we were part of all my life I was born into blew apart pretty much and um, thank the Lord really because it wasn't of God and uh, it was really built by man's hands and it needed to come down and it's crumbling continuing to crumble 
We're really grateful, just really blessed to be here, be among you Christians, and we love you guys. We miss being here. Thankful to be back. Thank you, buddy. Amen. You know, that just reminded me of what you asked a couple weeks ago about 1 Corinthians, about wood, hay, and stubble. Remember that? So foundation is Jesus, but if you build wood, hay, and stubble, the day will see to its destruction. And that's the works of man. Whereas as a skilled builder, Paul is building on the finished work of Christ, on Jesus, his finished work of which he calls precious stones and, you know, gold, etc. And that the day will never destroy. And that's building on Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus, and more Jesus. It's awesome. Great word. Anybody else before we uh, take off and wrap presents and all that jazz that we might still have to do this afternoon? Brandon? Okay. So grab some biscuits on your way out. Lou, Lou. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the new covenant. <laughs> Amen. Any other comments? Don't want to belabor, but certainly want to give time for anyone who would like to share. The haven, it can be donated to whatever, like whether. Yeah. How about if you want to check in with them afterwards and see what that looks like? It'd be awesome, Ida. Yeah, we certainly don't want to just throw it away if it's that much. Anybody else? Love you guys. Um, we will not be meeting on the twenty fifth. We'll not meet on the first. So it'll be what is that? three weeks or so before we meet again here in this context next friday not not this friday but next friday april and i are inviting everyone to the house for a uh, new year's christmas party sort of deal you just got to bring a finger food of your selection um and uh and then let us know that you're coming we need to kind of plan all right uh so lifejourneyva.com slash party and it'll be a sign up. It's in the bulletin if you have any questions on that. All right. Steve, will you close us in a word of prayer? Yeah. I thought, so I thought you were standing up for. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.